0: What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of The People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is The People's Party. Let's go. the
1: us
0: party What's up party people, it's Talib Kwali. Welcome to another fantastic edition of The People's Party with Talib Kwali and my wonderful co-host, Jasmine Lee. Give it up for Jasmine Lee and the place to be, no doubt. What's
2: up? How you feeling, Jasmine? I'm feeling amazing, just a little chilly today.
0: Oh, that's okay, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We got it really cool in here because there's a lot of lights and equipment mm-hmm. and we can't be sweating with the cameras, you so know what I'm saying? we sweat
2: off all this sexiness.
0: <laughs> we gonna get real sexy today? Yeah, really? always. It's gonna be a sexy show? Super sexy. Okay, this guest is a friend of mine. This guest is another MC, you know, we love the MCs here at the People's Party. He's one of my favorite MCs, one of the greatest working MCs to do it. He's been around for a long time, just like an OG, but he's still very contemporary. He's part of a bunch of group situations, but the stuff that he does on his own is very important. He has made a name for himself in the real world. He's made a name for himself on social media. He once dropped a new record for every week, for 52 weeks, wow. or however many weeks is in a year. I don't know, I forgot, but it was a lot of them. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to the host of Crook's Corner, one of the best MCs working, Crooked Eye, AKA King Crooked, in the place to be.
3: <laughs> Woo! What's up, my brother? What's up, bro? I like your shirt. I thought you had
1: a
0: backpack on that first. Hey, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The homies. Like, okay,
1: backpacker
2: style,
3: right? <laughs> You guys got the beer twin thing going on. Hey. This
0: shit is thicker and fuller than mine, though. That's you know
2: what there? she said. Beer gang, <laughs> beer gang, beer gang.
3: What's up? Congrats on the show, man. Oh, thank you, man. Congrats on your show. Man, there we have it. We Chris out Corner, here. Corner, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. That's exciting. That. I really appreciate that. Tell bro. me about that. Cook's Corner, man, is just like, I like having barbershop conversations, mm-hmm. you know, about hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And I, one day I decided to stop tweeting about what I have for lunch mm-hmm. and just ask rap questions. Yeah,
0: your Twitter is very, very interesting and prolific because of that. The questions you ask, particularly stuff like, who's got the better verse or renegade,
3: Eminem or Jay-Z, certain right, right.
0: questions is only for people who understand the culture.
3: Yo dog, that that debate right there is crazy. Mm. It goes on for hours. Like sometime I might have to delete a question right. because now I can't get to the next one. It takes because over they, your feed. It takes over the feed, so mm-hmm. that, that's one of those. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just decided to start engaging with the people and just talking strictly about hip-hop. And that led to me saying, you know what? Let me take this to somewhere visual, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I started doing Crook's Corner on uh, Hip Hop DX. We built a little set. I brought some of my stuff from my crib, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Some memorabilia, some Slaughterhouse mm-hmm. stuff, some plaques, and just, you know, sit down with dope MCs like yourself and we just bust down rap. Yeah, I can't you know wait know to I'm be saying? a guest Man, on Man, I can't wait to have you. Yeah, again, I got real. a lot to say about raps. Yes, yes. <laughs> um,
0: but that's important that you have to, like, curate your audience. Right. Um, the same way you curate your playlists. Right,
3: absolutely. Um,
0: you can't have conversations with rap, or you can't have conversations with people about rap if they're not understanding like the rudiments of what, what genre are we talking about of rap? Or mm-hmm. are we talking about just lyrics? Are we talking about business-wise? Are we talking about production? Like, what era are we talking about? Like, mm-hmm. how do you navigate through all that?
3: Um, I navigate through that, man, by just being open and 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 trying to soak up what the people are saying. Mm. I don't want too many of my mm. own personal opinions right. mm. to dilute the conversation, to cloud what's going on. I want to hear mm. what the people have to say. That's why you pose the questions. Yeah, I pose the question. Mm. And then if I see somebody, you know, going at it and it's about to go to somewhere disrespectful, I kind of mediate mm-hmm. too because i want it to be a safe space to have an opinion you know we get sensitive now about opinions you know what Mm -hmm. i'm saying so i want to i want to make sure that people feel good about the conversation even if they're disagreeing they can still dap it up like yo that was a nice little debate we had see you Mm -hmm. next time time." yeah you know what i mean so just a lot of mediation and a lot of um i sprinkle my input in like you said if they if they're saying yo but what what about Rakim versus Nas, who's the greatest writer? And then I say, well, listen, man, we got to talk about Rakim being the foundation first. Right. You know, because There is no
0: Nas without Rakim.
3: There is no Nas without Rakim. You see what I'm saying? So every now and then, I'll come in with that little tidbit, a little Mm -hmm. nugget so they could just, you know, look at it from a different perspective. A moderator. Yeah, a moderator. Right. Exactly. And just kind of let it go, man. And it's just dope to see these people's perspective on rap, dog, because we Mm -hmm. do it. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure when you listen to music, some time you might have an A and R ear like mm. damn this person could have made this song like this or he should have mm-hmm. said that, you know what I mean? Cause we we kinda curse with that mm-hmm. being a high level writer as yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you kinda curse when you listen, but these people are just fans, pure fans of it.
2: You right, know, right. And,
3: and to see what their perspectives are man is, is really incredible, dog. I've I've learned a lot doing that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And learn how people view rap.
0: Now as a writer, um, and you're such a prolific writer. Thank you me, know man. like you write all the time. Um, you had an opportunity to write for the Hulu Wu-Tang, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin situation, right?
3: Oh my God, dog! That fell on my desk. I was like, wow. Talk to me about
0: that, because I haven't seen the show yet.
3: You got to check this show out, Yeah,
0: and it's like, so you're writing,
3: tell me what you're writing. Well, um, they came to me and they was like, yo, so we need somebody to write, Mm -hmm. um, for 90s, NY type rappers. Mm. Right. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Long Beach, California. Long Beach. Yeah, you know I'm saying. Right. <laughs> okay. right. So, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this will be dope. So, um, the first thing that they had me do was write for a crew. And this crew in the, in the story, they won a talent show, mm-hmm. and it's four of them rapping. So I had to write from four different perspectives, and then I had to go lay a reference track, mm-hmm. rapping in four different voices and cadences, mm-hmm. so people would know, so the actors would know mm-hmm. which part was theirs, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, and it was dope. It was like they they put on a Chubb rock beat, Treat them Right instrumental, and they wanted some fun party rap, you know, mm-hmm. call and response, you know, crowd engagement type rap, and, and it was just fun. I did it, and that was the first one I did for them, and they loved it. And they were like, yo, we didn't know you, you know, your man told us you could write any kind yeah. of style, yeah. but we didn't know it was that deep, so can you do some more? And I ended up doing more and more and more and more. And um, it was just a great experience, man, to have fun again. Like, I just, I don't wanna do, I don't rap for money anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't do anything for money when it comes to art mm-hmm. no more. You know what I mean? I feel that. If, if, if money comes, money comes. I feel that. But, um, you know, to just have fun. You right. know what I'm saying? To be in there having fun, like the whole studio, dancing around the Chub Rock beat, you know what I mean? Right, right, Everybody right. having fun. Right, doing the Running Man. and Doing the Running Man and shit, <laughs> shit like that, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, just having fun, and that energy, that's the kind of energy I want to be around. So when they mm. told me it was for Wu-Tang, of course Wu-Tang is legendary, of mm. course Wu-Tang is iconic. Um, it was just a dope thing, and I talked to RZA, man, and RZA was like, yo, man, you really killed that shit. Yeah. You know?
0: I, I'm, I'm fascinated with, you know, uh, with you, like you have a rap style mm-hmm. that if I hear you, I might think you're from the East Coast.
3: Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's the thing. I think we were very, you know, I wanted to take my flow to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of us out here in L.A., in Long Beach, Compton, Watts, Hawthorne, we were going to the Good Life Cafe and Freestyling, ah, right? Good rap. Life. And we were going to Project Blow that, mm-hmm. in Lamert Park. And you would hear all these syllable rhymers mm-hmm. using multi-syllable flows but you on tv you would only see one style of west coast rap really mm-hmm. you know what i mean so a yeah. lot of people felt like yo that's what the west is about mm-hmm. you know but we listened to everything we wasn't hating like you know once we heard rakim drop my melody it was like yo he did you hear what he's rhyming mm-hmm. he's rhyming like Three syllables, every line is mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. And then now he's rhyming whole sentences. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like if you was interested in taking your flow to the next level, that's what you had to do. Right. You could not just sit at this level when you have people like Rakim, Cool g Big Daddy mm-hmm. Kane. I mean, even back to Kumo-D mm-hmm. and and Cass when they start really doing their thing, it's like, yo. These people are rhyming on a superior level. You have if you want to if you want to do something. I was always taught that you got to be the best at something mm-hmm. or try to be. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I was like, yo, I got to jump in with that. I can't stay here where 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 I'm hearing that's just this this mainstream West Coast rap going. No mm-hmm. not no shots. I grew up on it. I love it. It's a vibe right. and all that. You know what I'm saying. But right. I have to take this skill and technique to another level. Now you also
0: you know you were rocking with. DPG's in 95 right? right right so
3: you was around like like did you meet Tupac right yep I met Pac the first time I met Pac he was doing a um the uh, St. Ives commercial with Snoop hmm they had a um, they used to call St. Ives Crooked Eye they used to call it Crooked Eye yeah, <laughs> okay exactly that's mm-hmm. when my older brother start nicknaming me after that okay but um yeah, he was in there, dog, and it was just crazy, dog. I came in there with my homie Randog, right? We was in Larrabee North Studio. Larrabee. You know what I'm saying?
0: It went down to Larrabee. It went down in <laughs> Larrabee.
3: So we we, we pull up mm-hmm. in the old school with the homie Big C Style and Randog. Mm-hmm. Randog goes, he's like a dude who could bench press like 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the homies from, the, like the older homies from Long Beach. He comes in the door. He, this is my first experience with anything death row. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm young, I'm teenager. Um, you know, I know Snoop, but I'm always in the city. From a Long Beach Connection. Yeah, in the city dealing with Snoop or, you know, at, at Snoop House with some homies or not. But this is my first time dealing with the Death Row label. They mm-hmm. were recording. They were doing a commercial. Tupac was in the building. We walk in. My homie Randog and Suge have a face-off in the door, two big. Buff dudes trying to squeeze through the door at the same time, <laughs> right. mean mugging each other on right. the way in, slow right. motion. You know what I'm saying? I'm right. like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is <laughs> this the shit? It's lit. So we go in, and then I see Pac standing at the board. And this, I'm a big Tupac fan. Mm-hmm. Like right now, Tupac is the goat to me mm-hmm. because his music just spoke to me more so on a personal level than anybody mm-hmm. else's. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm looking up, I'm like, damn, that old Pac, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I see Snoop walk in, and they going over their lines, and how they gonna attack it, and all this stuff, and I go in, I'm like, yo, what's up? I'm Crook, yo, Pac, boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom, We start talking. I'm a teenager, bro. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't really understand how blessed I was to be in that room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met boom, Pac man. as a
0: teenager, too. Yeah. Working for uh, Jessica Rosenblum and Funkmaster Flex. Mm-hmm. Pac was coming to New York, rocking with that crew. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mythology to Long Beach and its place in this whole hip-hop thing, but beyond hip-hop, just the LA thing. Right. Coming from the East Coast, we don't really understand the differences. If mm-hmm. you ask us, Long Beach might as well be Fresno. It's right, like right. we don't really know the differences. Can you explain what Long Beach represents in the scope of the city and then in the scope of hip-hop?
3: Yeah, because like, people will be like, yo, you because know, LA County is Long Beach, Compton, Watts, mm-hmm. South Central, You know, that's the county of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm but you can't tell somebody from Long Beach that they're from L.A. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. nah, in LA. my
0: mind, it's still, now, now i lived in L.A. for some time, but when you live in L.A., it's like, that's a different
3: city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole other city. Like, nah, we from Long Beach. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the pride, man. We Everybody from the city got pride. Like, mm-hmm. you just see all these Long Beach State hats, mm-hmm. fitted snapbacks, right. you know what I'm saying? You see right. the merch, you just, people got a lot of pride in being mm-hmm. from Long Beach. My father was in the Navy. And he was stationed there, you know what I'm saying? That's where he met my moms. My moms came out here. So you official here. Long Beach. Yeah, I'm super, I'm, I'm, even <laughs> though we left, we right. left. My moms, she was a singer, her and her twin sister. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. They came from Oklahoma. Mm. They used to sing with the Gap Band and all that, right? OK. So when she came out here to get a record deal, met my pops. My pops was in the Navy in Long Beach, had me. Mm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So that's how you know, we started off in Long Beach. and uh. Yeah, it's just a lot of pride there. Um, it's a lot of talent, and it's, a, it's laid back, but it could turn up in a minute. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you don't know where you at, you hit the wrong corner, you don't know who you're talking to, it could get ugly. But it's a beautiful city, and I've mm-hmm. always felt like hip-hop hasn't really beautiful. seen mm-hmm. the gorgeousness of Long Beach, California. I think mm-hmm. that we're too stuck on keeping the camera lens pointed at the hood. Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and which is fine i love the i love the people in there and everything you know them my Mm -hmm. people for life yeah but at the same time dude we got a mini south beach you know what i'm saying you go down pine avenue it's beautiful the restaurants are great you go to the pier you got all these hotels on the sand it's beautiful right and i just feel like you know people need to see that side of long beach you know but of course we got we got our danger element you know and there's a real It's a a war, man, between the blacks and the Mexicans in Mm -hmm. in Long Beach, so, you know, it's a different story because a lot of times it's, you know, you got the Crips Mm -hmm. banging against the Bloods or Mm the Pyrus and then in Long Beach, you got Crips banging against Crips Mm -hmm. because most of the, you know, the whole city is Crips, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Mexican gangs.
0: Now, in the Trump era, we have um, a lot of hatred being tossed towards immigrants, particularly black and brown immigrants, particularly in the South really against brown immigrants, Mexicans mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. LA and Long Beach are used in the same way that Chicago is used when they talk about black-on-black crime. Right. So people talk about black-on-black crime, they'd be like, well, what about Chicago?
1: Right, right, you, right. You,
0: you start to talk to people about intersectionality and the need for people of color, marginalized people to come together, mm-hmm. black and brown unity, right. which in California is a bigger deal than the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? right? And people will use the situation in Long Beach and LA and say, well, look how the Mexicans is treating us there and use that as an example for why we shouldn't al- align with,
3: right. with Mexicans. Right. What's your feeling on that? It wouldn't be LA without Mexicans. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When Pac gave it up, it was just real because um, hip hop, bro, mm-hmm. one of the great unifiers yeah. is hip hop. You know, we had a group out of um, the east side of Long Beach called the Mexicans.
1: Mm-hmm. My brother that.
3: Sinful. Mm -hmm. Capital I-Man, dope, Mm -hmm. Mm lyricist, you know what I mean? DJ Khalil giving them bangers, you know what I mean? And they mean a lot to the city. Mm -hmm. And they would help bridge the gap along with myself Mm -hmm. and other MCs like me coming together and having the black and brown show events at venues. Music brought that scene together,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: you know what I'm saying? my my little brother was was moving through a mexican neighborhood one day yeah. and he had on one of my t-shirts my merchandise t-shirts mm-hmm. a bunch of mexicans pulled up on him and they was about to trip on him yeah. but they seen his shirt and they said yo how you know crook and he was like that's my older brother and they were like oh you good over here homie mm-hmm. he always try to put things together he ain't one of those motherfuckers that's trying to divide the city. He trying right. to put the city together. Cause ain't we stronger together? We're stronger together, bro.
2: We are definitely stronger together, but I feel like, I, I don't know, my whole thing about merging the whole, I mean, people of color, cause that's what they're trying to do now, people of color and then black people. It's just that it just seems when we are going through certain things that, you know, other races are not speaking up. And particularly for Mexicans, when um, black people are getting killed in the street or black people aren't getting equal rights or they're not getting paid the same, they'll, they're they quiet. But then when the immigration and with the concentration can not concentration camp, concentration camp, the um, Emma, the ISO, <laughs> that pretty yeah. much, like with the um, what they're doing now with the kids um, at the border and mm-hmm. not letting them through it. And it's like black people, we always speak up on everybody's issues, but it's like people don't always speak up on ours.
0: See, I would disagree with that. Um, just the way that it's framed because the same way that you can say, well, we, we have issues they don't, you get into trouble when you start talking they, because it's assuming that all Mexican people are monolithic and think alike. Like when I, in, oh, yeah. in my experience, right, when I do uh, black activist work, two of my best friends, Rosa Clemente, Puerto Rican from New York, um, uh, Marie Griffin, Mexican black from Chicago, right? Her daddy's Mexican, her mother's black. These are some of the most pro-black revolutionary people I know, and you don't have to be Afro-Latino to be pro-black or black mm-hmm. and Mexican to be pro-black. But I feel like that right there is the, the trap because you're right, and you know, in Long Beach, like you're right. There's a lot. There's a lot of racist Mexicans. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dark-skinned racist Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Like be same color as Crook and me and you, but be racist to black people, mm-hmm. right? Right. But we also have a lot of Candace Owens and Ben. Uh, Carsons and Diamond of Silks oh, yeah. and our own race. I we also know. have a lot of people and in, 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 in black people who be racist and want to talk about that pro-ice build-a-wall shit as if we supposed to be down with the police all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Like, we, we say fuck the police until it comes time to ki- keep the Mexicans out. Then all of a sudden we down with the police. So I think it goes back and forth, but I think that's what, what you're speaking to is why the conversation needs to be had. Oh, yeah,
2: for you sure. Know?
3: Yeah, I think, I think, bro, like when I was young, I had to go to Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. Because my mom, that's where she's from. So she wanted to move back. We were getting in trouble as kids. You know, my older brother was gang banging and um, things were catching up. So she moved us to Oklahoma Mm -hmm. and we got to Oklahoma City. The Mexican and the blacks were getting along. Mm -hmm. It was a culture shock to me Mm -hmm. because it was like such a minority Mm -hmm. that they had to stick together, you know what I'm saying? Because the Republicans and the white community had it on lock. That's right. You see what I'm saying? So they had to stick together. So what happened was I ended up having like some great friends, bro. Um, And they taught me things about their traditions Mm -hmm. and culture and things like that. And when when it got deep, we got into a fight with some dudes, man. These dudes risked their life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We getting down with these dudes. My older brother getting down. I'm getting down, I'm young. I'm like 15, 14, boom, boom, boom. We, we roll these fools up, mm-hmm. jump in the car with my Mexican homie, Jimmy G. Boom, his carburetor goes out oh, no. and they eat the car up. Yeah, pat, 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 mm-hmm. pat, 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 pat. My brother gets shot right next to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Jimmy, stirred!" he gets the car back started drive up into his yard his home his, his brother Ray come out with the shotgun like mm-hmm. get off my people mm-hmm. you feel me yeah. so I've been in, and I, I feel free talking about that because I was 15 years old man mm-hmm. 14 you know what I'm saying this is fucking years ago but um right then I saw when it really matters mm-hmm. they had our back mm-hmm. and yeah. we had their back you know what I'm saying and and and, yeah. and and I never forget that like that's what I think about when I'm saying hey sinful. I'll be at your show tonight, dog. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring some people with me, man. We can all talk about, you know, this well, black and brown talk thing, about. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Things like that. It's
0: it's The stakes is higher in LA and because, you know, you talked about Good Life, but, um, you know, Freestyle Fellowship, the, the first single they had that blew up was Inner City Boundaries. And that record was particularly about Los Angeles and how things are segregated and sectioned off. Mm-hmm. And in New York, that was for me living in LA, I had to learn that a little bit, because in New York, I'm hanging out with all the Dominicans mm-hmm. and the Puerto Ricans, right. and they, they just like us. And they say nigga just like us, and mm-hmm. it's like the same thing.
2: Now, see, I never agreed with that,
0: though. Well, I, just where I grew up in New York, and Brooklyn, and going to high school, the black and brown people, whether it was like a Fat Joe and Big Pun type, they, they, they had a black nigga experience, so they said nigga like us. But when you go other places, when I started doing music with high tech in Cincinnati, when I started coming to L.A., the, the Latino community is more separate than the black community. So if people hear that, and they like, nah, like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say that.
2: I don't know if it's like a, if it's a language barrier, and that's why in certain places it's separate. Because a, in LA, as you say, it's segregated. You can go to a you can go to a part of town, and they're only speaking Spanish mm-hmm. or whatever. But more so in New York, it's not There's like that. There's places like
0: that in the Bronx and Washington Heights and certain places. Well,
2: not where I grew up. It's yeah. like more together. Like everyone kind of you know mm-hmm. talks to each other or whatever.
0: Yeah, I just think it's, I I think with um New York is that whole thing like Puerto Ricans, Dominicans saying nigger just like they, they regular black people. That's a specific New York thing. We had Be Real on the, on the show and they said nigger in early Cypress music, mm-hmm. but Be Real sort of implied that he don't do that no more.
3: Mm. He said
0: he was doing it because he felt embraced by the culture, but being an LA cat, he, yeah. as he grew older, he realized right. it was a different thing.
3: Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, of gun violence, I know you don't speak on this a lot, right. but you were shot at yeah. while you were at, at
3: established artists. Right. Um, did that change the way you move and did it affect your music? Yeah, it changed the way I move. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm I'm not here to do no harm, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm just here to contribute to the culture. And, and, and you know, sometimes you get caught up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because of your, the, what you're doing outside of the music and, mm-hmm. and the people you're affiliated with and the places you choose to spend your time, mm-hmm. you know, and they try to make it a big deal about, you know, keeping it real and going back to the hood. and you know, things of that nature. And um, it's just, I had to ask my OG one day. I was like, man, after the nip thing, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, is how do you feel about us coming back and opening businesses in the mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. and then getting treated like this? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he was like, man, just don't let one bad apple kill a Spoiler whole bunch. The mm-hmm. He was like, we need it. You know, we need it. He's like, that's something right. that we need. So I was like, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I'm going to make sure that... I do offer some sort of business to my community that I come from, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, with that certain incident, it was just, you know, I thought that getting record deals and traveling the world would keep me away from that type of shit, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then it woke me up that you you can be touched Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. So watch who you're around, watch who you choose to spend your time with. You know, watch where you are, know your location, know your exit routes, know everything, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sit, sit, sit with your back to the wall, look at the door, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like all that type of paranoia type shit, but it's really survival shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it taught me a lesson. Everything that happens to me, dog, that's, that's perceived as negative, I take it as a lesson. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't, ever, I don't ever think that it's a bunch of negative. Why me? I'm a victim. I always f- find out what is this teaching me? Mm -hmm. What am I learning from this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I take heed.
2: And then also, we need to remember that, because even though Nipsey did get killed, you know, at his store, that can happen anywhere. It didn't have to necessarily be on Slauson that that happened or whatever, so it's like, you don't want to get, like, jaded and and paranoid of everybody, because if if you follow the philosophy of when it's my time to go, it's my time to go, then you can move differently, and you can still help out the community without being, you know,
3: Fearful. Yeah, I see. My problem was, I was never that guy when it's my time to go, Mm I always thought I could change that. (laughs) (laughs) That's what rappers act like. (laughs) (laughs) I always thought that, hey, if I don't go here, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, or if I put this bulletproof vest on while I'm signing this company all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe I'll live longer. You know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. I was always that guy. But I I feel you, though, you can't. You can't let it, you can't get jaded. You -hmm. just can't, man. And plus, it's just needed. We got to have people on the front line, like you on the front line, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. You out here in the streets and... Online mm-hmm. and you got the hammer of justice because you 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 got time today mm-hmm. And tomorrow, Everything. you know what I'm saying? Everything. I, I, I love time, to, but I make time
0: I, But oh, I, you lo- got time. I, I
3: love it because it's like yo mm-hmm. If anybody wants to learn something about social justice or some you know what's going on with racism or so, I just send them to your page, bro. Mm-hmm. I swear to God like my nephew or something like mm-hmm. yo go look at that page
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you know what it. I'm <laughs> saying? That's what I do it for I try not to be too much and I tell people sometimes my page page could be triggering mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a lot it's mm-hmm. a lot of going back and forth, and if it's like you have some experiences with racism and you ha- don't have the resources or the knowledge to d- even know what I'm talking about, it could right. be overwhelming for some people. Right. But, you know, you know where I come from. You know right. I come from the bookstore. Right. You know what I'm saying? And when you and me was on tour together, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned to me that you used to have a relationship with uh, Essawan Books. Is it Am I
3: saying it right? It's Esawon or Esawon? You know what? It was um, it was uh, Uhuru Sasa. Oh, okay. Okay, so it wasn't Esawan, yeah. It was Uhuru Sasa. It, uh, it was a Uhuru Sasa you know, which means freedom now Mm -hmm. in Swahili. Um, One of my mentors, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and big homies, Elijah Asante, Mm -hmm. he went to USC, he graduated from law school. Mm -hmm. Um, He went on a scholarship, football scholarship. He came back to the hood and he opened a bookstore. Okay. Called a Huru Sasa. Okay. And he would have all these different, you know, speakers and authors come through and what he wanted to do was he wanted to give knowledge to the hood. You right. know what I mean? To all the young kids. And You know, I'm 16, walking down the street. He's like, hey, come here, drive-by shooter. Mm-hmm. Come inside the bookstore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we go in the bookstore, and then he would read, you know, look, check this book out, you know, and then we would wow. have like this thing called Conscious Connection where every Tuesday we read books and then we had a debate about what we was studying and learning in the book, whether mm-hmm. that be Stolen Legacy or, you know, mm-hmm. the destruction of the black civilization mm-hmm. or ISIS Except papers. Williams and you know Massey and all these. All that yeah. bro. Like really and in the middle of the hood. Gang zone, war zone, crackhead zone in the middle, red, black and green building, mm-hmm. Uhuru Sasa. And We had ciphers there, we freestyle, and that was just our hangout. Mm. So he created an environment to where we started to think differently, mm. you know what I'm saying? And he turned on a light in our minds. And um, you know, it ain't never went off.
0: And you told me that uh, while you were at Uhuru Sasa, that you used to reach out to Nkiru sometimes,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that you was like.
3: You was really you was like at the store all the time, right? Yeah, I was I lived there one time. Right. I was homeless. So oh. he gave me somewhere to stay. He let me sleep mm-hmm. in there. So I was sleeping in there, eating a cup of noodles, mm-hmm. reading books. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um that became something that I was at the time like, yo, this is this fucked up, but no it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that's was great. It built character. Mm-hmm. It gave me knowledge. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, I, I had more confidence because you know, I felt like, yo, I could be something. I could be somebody. You know, these right. books are telling me that I right. could be somebody other than what these people in this environment are, are telling me who mm-hmm. I can be. You know what I'm saying? Right. How important is it to actually read books in this digital era? I think you need to touch it sometimes mm-hmm. because I think it commits to memory. Your mind digests it better when you actually feel in the book, touching it, when you're smelling it and you, you know what I'm saying? like but you you gotta utilize your senses sometimes when you're taking in information. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, I mean, I get a lot of audio books too, though. Right. I ain't gonna front. My, Just get the information. My, yeah, because I might have to walk, I'm, man, I'm walking now, trying to jog and all right. this other mm-hmm. shit, trying to get healthy and all that. And you know, I wanna have something in the earphones. So I have like all kind of stuff. I was, um, But the last physical book that I bought is uh, Michael V. Roberts' Action Has No Season. Mm. Michael V. Roberts is a billionaire. He's a black bro- brother. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he made his he made his money in telecommunications and properties and hotels and stuff like that. And he goes around talking to people and teaching how to become wealthy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think that a lot of these kind of guys need to be connected to hip-hop more
1: mm-hmm. yeah
3: because we need to look at these people the same way we look at Jay, the same way we look at Beyonce, the same right people right, you know, right lebron these are superstars
0: right and there's only 12 black billionaires out of 1600 or so on the planet you know that's on purpose wow. and that's out of the crazy. 12 the ones we know about the jay-z the yeah. oprah's You know, it's like Chris Rock said, they had to fly to where a white man could walk to, but they had to outperform in their category, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to this guy who you put me me on.
3: Yeah, Michael V. Roberts, dog. Him, you know, um, I like uh, George C. Fraser, Dr. George C. Fraser. I like um, Dr. Claude Anderson, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, these are the people that I feel like if hip-hop was in, if we were in the 90s, in the 80s, we would hear these names in all the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. see Black, what I'm white You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Claude
0: Anderson has been in the news lately. He went to meet with Trump Uh-oh. to discuss reparations. Mm. Um, he didn't meet with Trump to be his friend. Mm-hmm. He went to meet with him to discuss the possibility. Do you think reparations is possible in your lifetime?
3: I would have said no, but um, I think it's possible. Okay, I think it's possible. I mean because we got people like yourself. We got people like you know, Killer Mike out there mm-hmm. We got people like Claude Anderson sitting down mm-hmm. with Trump. You know what I'm saying? We got people open to the idea that hey everybody else right. got some sort of a help after us a, right. a tragedy
0: there's, there's a bill Um yeah. and Cobra is a company and a company organization that's been pushing this HR 40 bill mm-hmm. It was picked up by uh, Cory Booker mm. um, and he's trying to push it through um, the Democrats have signed, the front-runners have signed on to it. Um, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, really, um, who people have issues with because of her time in Oakland as a DA. Right, right. Um, Bernie Sanders has signed on to it. Um, you know, I don't think Biden has signed on to it. He's a little out of touch with everything. Yeah, uh, bro. He's going to lose, too. Yeah, he, he can't let not, him go up yeah, there. Yeah. He, should, he shouldn't even <laughs> be up there at all, actually. Um, but it's interesting now because we have this movement in the black community, which mm-hmm. is about walking away from the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Blexit. It's Mm -hmm. not just Candace Owens and them, Mm -hmm. but it's like people who are not conservatives who feel like the Democrats have taken our votes for granted, Um, but now you, which is true, um, but now you have the Democrats pushing this reparations piece and so people are, I think people are a little conflicted. You Mm -hmm. did a mixtape series called Block Obama. Right, right. right. Um, And in your raps, I hear you rapping about like, you know, the evaporation of the middle class. Right, right. So you in touch. Why?
3: Do we need a strong, healthy middle class? Uh, I just think that's just, you know, to balance things out, Mm -hmm. bro. You know what I mean? We need people spending money and earning money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In this economy. And, you know, the farther the gap gets between the rich and the poor, Mm -hmm. you know, the poor ain't going to have nothing left to do but eat the rich.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we need that. We need Mm -hmm. that healthy balance right there. And, um, you know, I like what Claude is saying, too, about what if we did, what if we took 40, well, how many black people, is it 40 something million? 40 in million. 40 million black people in America decided, okay, we're gonna form our own party, not to run for anything, but just to vote on the same page. Mm-hmm. Right, you an know? agenda. Yeah, an agenda, like 40 million votes, and you know if you don't right. do this, 40 million people won't be voting for you. That's what um, Malcolm X was on when he got with
0: Adam Clinton Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, I famously talked about not voting. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm from the generation, you know what it is, Crook, like where we was like, we look at the whole system like Mm -hmm. none of that, none of that status quo is for us.
3: Right, right. But when
0: I studied a little bit more about Malcolm and his whole ballot or the bullet thing, and I understood that they understood what other communities who obviously didn't have to go through the terrors of slavery. Right. You know, other communities have skin privilege where they're Mm -hmm. closer to white. So it's like, Mm -hmm. they're not us. They weren't dragged here from from their homeland. So it's easier for them. But also they vote. As communities and vote right. in blocks, and, right. and that's how
3: they get things done. And Malcolm was on his way there.
0: Yeah, you know.
3: And I just think that's just so important because, if if, a, if my, in my opinion, if you're not about reparations, why am I voting for you? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it ain't because I want free money. I can go make my own money. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But we need things. We need ownership. We need land. We need you know. We need we need things.
0: I, there's a there's a uh, organization out right now this is the reason why i'm even talking about this that purports to be pro-reparations okay a black organization um they're not from the research i've done on them mm. they're more like a front group for to get black people to be more anti-immigrant and they're oh, using the reparations man. thing to bring black people in mm. to be like these these immigrants is going to stop us from getting our reparations here we go you know what i'm saying so <laughs> i i try not to platform them and talk about them but they attack me all you if you if you online you see them attacking me all the time but that's one of the things that they bring i out. know what you talk about yeah that's one of the things they bring up, they bring up the fact that there are now voices in the LGBT community that are saying, well, there should be reparations for this community. And they're saying that the establishment is more interested in supporting gay people than it is with supporting black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, I feel like that's a flawed way to look at it because one, you're erasing all the black gay people. Right. Um, two. My experience with you said I'm on the front lines. Yeah. When I'm on the front lines, I'm a straight black male. Yeah. I see other straight black men there. Yeah. But you know who I see a lot? I see queer women, gay women. I see that community on the right. front lines the of front the struggle line. for black people. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. for uh, when, when Trayvon Martin was killed, when mm-hmm. Mike Brown was killed, I saw the gay community, whatever that's supposed to entail, yeah. on the front lines. Word. A lot of these so called pro black people who just be pro black on Facebook and YouTube they're not there. Exactly. They're not really in the flesh. Right. They they think that imitating the oppressor, acting like uh, patriarchy, acting like the way that the white man who runs the shit like the top 1% is is the top 1 uh, 1% is 96% white. And so the way that they run things, if we just pull up our pants and be anti-immigrant and anti-gay yeah, and just be good work. Christians, if we just be just like them, That's the path to liberation. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I I push back against. But that's why I think these conversations are important in this space, because here's a real person, Jasmine. Here's a real person, Crooked. Here's a real person, me. We all have a mutual respect for each other. So even in things that we disagree on, we can look each other in the eye and come to some, and figure out what it is we agree about, instead of it being like some random Twitter troll mm-hmm. that we don't even know if that's even a black person that, and they voiced in this conversation.
2: And it says Elizabeth Warren reintroduced a bill on the campaign trail this week, which could be $57 million in tax refunds for married LGBT couples. So yeah. it's not there yet, but- right. and
0: to, and Elizabeth Warren is also a co-sponsor of the HR 40 bill, which is reparations for black Americans. Yeah.
3: Man, so once we get these reparations, we need people like Claude Anderson again, mm-hmm. You need people like Michael, Michael V. Roberts, Mm -hmm. you know, all of our financial wizards to, you know, kind of help guide where, you know, those reparations, how they should be, you know, spent, how they should be. Because, I mean, you know,
0: there's an argument right now as to whether or not reparations should be individual checks mm -hmm. or should be social programs, land, like stuff like the GI Bill that happened Mm -hmm. back in the day, stuff programs, which essentially is government assistance. Right? There's an argument to whether or not people should get those individual checks, which people say they will then spend back in the system, or
3: it should be more uh, far-reaching programs. Hmm. What do you think? Man, that's that's one I got to think about yeah, for a minute. Yeah, we have to look. I, I have to unpack talk that. Talk to the experts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah go seek counsel on that one, because because yeah. I could see either or being you know kind of fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Depending I, on who's
2: in charge of, of the program because if you were to give someone everybody an individual check then they can just go and spend it on what they want but that still may not help the black community but if right. you're specifically putting it towards building up building up black neighborhoods so that you know we can't gentrify is not happening or going to Section 8 houses and building those up so people right. can have like a nice environment to look yeah. at and want to do better. Right.
3: Yeah I just read about a sister that's doing that right now somewhere I think in Chicago taking Abandoned trap houses, and redoing them and making like nursing facilities, like you know home nursings, and she's really flipping those properties mm-hmm. into something positive. It's just it's so much positivity going on too, mm-hmm. and I just think that we need to put more light on it. You know what I'm saying? That's because a point you make often because we yeah. we, we focus whatever we You're focus on is going to expand. We know yeah. that. You it's, know what I'm it's saying? It's easy
0: to focus on the negative. It <laughs> is.
3: Yeah. I even do it with the rap shit. I talk about whack rappers all the time. I, I know, it's, I we know do. it's dope. I That's know it's dope, do. niggas out there. But we I, talk about the I ubiquitous yeah. Whack
0: MC that we all trying to kill at all times.
2: At we also, all times. But you also have to times. remember in your mind. <laughs> that even though they cuz like when you're getting in trouble or whatever your parent when they're scolding you they're going to tell you everything that you did bad but they may not necessarily tell you all the things you did good so us as a people we just have to keep remembering the good so it's like when you're talking about the bad it's not saying everything's bad it's just right. this area needs to be needs fixed. to
3: be improved
0: yeah um now back to the music again since you were talking about raps um you have had a lot of stop and starts. Uh-huh. You've had a lot of projects and been shelved a lot and been a part of a lot of situations. Uh-huh. And then you got in a situation where you came in. This is what's interesting to me about you. Your bars are the star. Mm. It's never about who you affiliated with. You know, you were, came in with, with Snoop and Dazz and them. And then you got down with Death Row, and then there was an issue with Death Row. And then Daz stayed with Death Row, and you mm-hmm. stayed with Daz. And then Daz left, and then you were still with Death Row. Mm-hmm. And then Snoop and Shug had a big, huge issue, mm-hmm. which, I, I, from what I hear, that issue has been solved right. to a large degree. But it was a very big situation, big deal, R- while you were in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, how were you able—my My opinion is— from the outside looking in, is it must be the bars. Like, yeah. this guy just needs to be such a good rapper mm-hmm. that people like, I don't mind if he's down with them niggas across yeah, the yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm still down with him.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it, definitely. I mean, you know, I was able to go from death row in my past and then be signed to Shady Records with M, Shady Aftermath, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And it's not too many people who could go from Death Row Records to a Doctor Dre affiliated um company. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um and and it is the bars. It's just it's just really Uh, You know being true to my craft and -hmm. and trying to improve at all times and making myself valuable enough for somebody to want To do business with me no matter what was going on and I had to do that on death row because there was a black cloud When I left death row a lot of people in the industry was like you never make it You're never Mm -hmm. gonna go anywhere else because you got this black cloud over you people think sure gonna jump out the closet on them Right because you heard
0: the stories I heard stories
3: about Vanilla Ice and the issue with Pac and all this Like any story you heard just times it by ten so my whole thing is you know, they said you couldn't make. That's one of the reasons why I did the Hip Hop Weekly series at first. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was dropping every week uh, for fifty-two weeks, I did that because you know, and at the time nobody was doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And my brother Watson from PSA Hip Hop, he had to really point this out to me. You know. Um, they're like, okay, where's your classic body of work? That is my classic body mm-hmm. of work. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is my is. contribution. Like how you know somebody would have you know the blueprint or the reasonable doubt mm-hmm. or Illmatic. That 52 weeks, nobody was doing that. Everybody was influenced by it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kanye started doing a weekly series, Good Music Monday. Everybody Blue
0: Wednesdays. Well,
3: when everybody yeah. used that model after I created it, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It got me on the cover, the first freshman cover, of the Double XL magazine. I I toured off of it, I made money off. So I made money, I impacted and I influenced Mm -hmm. with that body of work and it was a real solid body of work. Um, But that was part of that was like, yo, I gotta wrap my way out from under this black cloud. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I just wrapped my way up, you know, like yo, every week I'm gonna stay in their face. And um, you know, another advantage was the blogs, people weren't doing that on the blogs yet. Mm -hmm. We were kind of new to putting music on blogs. So I was noticing a pattern when you drop something on a blog one day, two days later, it's gone. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I drop every week, I got to stay on the top blogs mm-hmm. all year.
0: Right, and you then you're shouting saying? out the blogs as the weeks are going out. You're shouting out the the DJs and the blogs are showing you love. So it's creating a, a, a cyclical relationship. And, and the fans. Yeah. You know you what I'm saying? Shouting out fans shouting and, out fans and yeah. people
3: making requests. okay, Yo, you take that uh, Kanye beat and do something mm-hmm. to cool. You know what I mean? Boom. Do it the next week. Like music made to order, basically. Now, how mm-hmm. many
0: of those were, did you stack them up? before you rolled out? Like, did you have a, a couple of
3: weeks, a few weeks done? Or you were doing them fresh every week? I was doing them fresh every week so I could talk about current events, too. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to be able to touch on things that were going on in the community and, 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 and make it current. So yeah, I was doing them every week, man. Even Brainslee, or Snow, mm-hmm. Sick. You know, and that, when I was doing it, I was still doing mixtapes. I, I put out a couple mixtapes. You know, I started the weekly series again, mm-hmm. um, Couple months ago, I'm like on week thirty. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah, I'm like on week thirty something, but I did it on Spotify because I wanted to grow my Spotify community, and um, I just wanted to make a commitment to them. You know Uh, what I'm saying? Okay, so.
0: Okay, no, because I've been I've been listening to your Spotify a lot lately, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of bars on there
3: weekly. So that's the, <laughs> yeah. those are the newer ones. That's one. the newer ones. Yeah. That's what,
0: okay. So okay, <laughs> I okay I get it because i there was some references on there like you talked <laughs> about Epstein. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you <laughs> talked about <out laughs> hanging with the bars like yeah. Epstein is like a fucking Cardi B bar in there. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yo, this guy is just a, he's the future. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. Ah, that's word. That's not Libra. We know everything. You know, Libra, man. Scale gang, man. Hey. We got we all just, Libras in the house today. We hey, got that's all what I'm Libras. talking about, man. We, we balance things out, bro. You know what I'm saying? You coming in hot, we're going to cool you off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all good.
0: Now, when you signed to Shady Aftermath, you signed with Shady Aftermath as a member of Slaughterhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Was there any issue? Like, did Dr. Dre or
3: anybody have an issue with, the, with your previous death row work? It was funny because we was at the video shoot for um, forever with uh, Drake and Lil Wayne and Eminem, that mm-hmm. joint they all did together. Mm-hmm. And that's where we signed our letter of intent. And uh, we signed the letter of intent. And um, it was funny because one of the executives at Shady was like, so how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And I thought she was talking to the whole group, mm. but she was just talking to me. Mm. And I was like, "Well, what do you mean, how I feel?" And it was like, "Well, you was on death row. Now you're sharing. right." And I was like, "I feel great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. She, it's lit. Whatever it <laughs> but uh." It was just, it's, it's just dope, and, and And I use that example for, for all the up-and-coming artists because I'm real artist friendly and I really want to see everybody win. And I want artists to take anything that they see in my career mm-hmm. and, and, and try to you know, make a shortcut where if I could save you a couple years of heartache by my mistakes, mm-hmm. you know then, then I'd be great. So I like to tell artists, just be yourself at all mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not yourself, brother, you might not be able to move from a death row to a shady. Right. You know what I'm saying? You be done that first, yeah, iteration of yourself. Yeah, because I went, when I was on death row. It was plenty mm-hmm. of times. Suge wanted me to throw shots at Dr. Dre and Eminem, mm-hmm. and I just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, Suge, I mean, you got respect for me. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't sign a paper soldier.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You didn't sign a robot, my G. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. signed me for my talent and what I do, my dedication, my passion. I don't have no problem with them. I don't know what that issue is. It's, it doesn't concern me. Mm-hmm. You know, with all due respect. So you know one time i was on the radio because i have i was we have a close relationship with murder Inc. Mm-hmm.
1: back murder in the Inc. death row
3: days yeah right. you know what i'm saying i had a song with ashanti the baby remix shout out to irv you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying and um um the crazy part was ja start we went to power 106 in la and ja had a record you know he was dissing m on the record mm-hmm. you know i'm on death row i got the death row chain on It's murder Inc. death row that was just our whole clique right mm-hmm. at that time and You know, they like, yo, he's like going crazy on him. And they're like, yo, Crook, what you think about this record? Are you going to be next? Are you going to jump on? And I was like, you know what? I said, I love Irv because Irv is one of the realest dudes that I've dealt with in the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I always give Irv his salute, Mm -hmm. period. He told me he was going to do a couple things for me in my career, and he did them and Mm -hmm. he was no strings attached. So I always respect him for that. I was like, I love him, but this not my beef. Mm-hmm. I said, if you ask me, Dr. Dre is still, the, I'm on death row, but Dr. Dre's the greatest hip-hop right. producer. And arguably he mm-hmm. built death row. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, he's still a GOAT to me. Mm-hmm. And M got bars, and I respect what they do, and they haven't never said nothing disrespectful to me or mm-hmm. my family. And then like I'm not just, I'm not doing it. So, little did I know, Dr. Dre was having a studio session, and he heard the interview. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And he told me later like yo i heard that interview where you was on death row and you didn't throw no shots and he's like that was your opportunity to you could have jumped on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and you know jump picked the mantle up and he was like you didn't and i always respect you for that and mm-hmm. you know if you need some, holler at me you never know who's listening that's why mm-hmm. right. you always got to keep it a buck keep it a buck always always yeah and, that, and i don't if had i jumped out the window that day maybe mm-hmm. i wouldn't have been on shady with slowdown mm-hmm. maybe they'd have said hey we want to sign you guys minus crook right you know what I'm saying? Right.
0: Um so the mixtape, correct me if my math is wrong, but the the week the weekly drop of the song, did that lead to the Young Boss? Young Boss?
3: No, Young Boss was first. Okay, Young Boss I came out first. I got double this is volume I was 1. Told, volume 1. I got double XL for that. Yeah. And they knocked it down to an XL. The guy, it was
0: on your website, right? Yeah.
3: Crashed the servers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Young Boss, I use Fifty percent, Dr. Dre beats fifty percent, DJ Premier, mm-hmm. half and half. Right, and, you know, um, you seen, I got a just to see niggas crip walking the
0: DJ Premier beats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> word up,
3: word. Shouts to Premier, man. Like, hip-hop is just so beautiful, dog. We got, we got like, titans in this game mm-hmm, that we are able mm-hmm. to sit down and have a conversation with. Like yourself, dog. Like, we listen to all your shit. Oh, when man. you came out with the Black Star shit, mm-hmm. the east side of Long Beach was fucking with that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, you know, when you did your solo shit, you know, uh, with high tech and behind the beats. Yeah, and- like
0: Snoop and Dre and DJ Quick and them, when, when, he had a, when, when Snoop had that show on, uh, on the beat,
1: uh-huh.
0: the, he broke the blast in L.A. What? You know what I'm saying? It was Snoop and Quick playing that record that broke it. Shout out to, you know, uh, Friday Night Flavors crew. Right, right, right. All right, them, yeah. you know, the Beat Junkies and all them. Yeah. But, you know, you would expect them to play that real underground hip hop shit. Right. like
3: Snoop bro- broke it to like the rest of LA. And that's what we need, man, because we, you know, we need that voice right now. Mm-hmm. Badly. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because right now it's like they trying to, they trying to smother out that conscious voice you know you got on, a new on, group on situation radio. though right like family yeah. business yes sir family business yep
0: I, I would assume that you got
3: some of them voices in that crew yeah I mean it's my little brothers that's mm-hmm. why it's called family business okay. they got a group called horseshoe gang they did a thing called mixtape monthly they dropped the mixtape once a month on that piff they put in all they work so we I decided you know what I'm a up for my solo shit after mm-hmm. the weeklies is done and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna focus on family business with my brothers and other stuff that I'm into and um, yeah they, you know it's a family thing I taught them how to rap when they was young. I used to go out and hustle for food and I would give them four bars a piece when they was five and six years old and I say look if you don't know these four bars when I get back you're not going outside you're not playing <laughs> oh, rap you that's know your what homework. I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> So they're beasts now mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like they got every they're students of the game they're younger than me but they're students and they're beasts and um, we got a new single coming out pretty soon. Um, and we, we did a whole album in Detroit man, and, and I took them to Detroit We did a whole album the album has some phenomenal guest features phenomenal production on it. I'm happy about it I'm waiting on the right time when I feel like our fans will really pay attention to it mm-hmm. And then we're gonna drop it man, mm-hmm. so you know family business be Looking watching out for to that for sure No doubt, but that's not the only group that
0: you've been in mm-hmm. famously was a part of slaughterhouse mm-hmm. slaughterhouse for me as an MC, slaughterhouse was a big deal for me, right? Um, to see y'all come together on that level, because y'all separately were all MCs that I was a fan of before. How did that arrive? How did that come together?
3: Man, the internet was booming, you know what I'm saying? Joe had Joe Button TV, Mm -hmm. which in my opinion, gave birth to love and hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was showing his re- his relationship mm-hmm. with Tahiri up close mm-hmm. and doing things that at the time rappers wasn't doing that. They don't right. wanna let mm-hmm. you see them arguing with their woman. You right. know what Joe I'm was only with true. that for <laughs> yeah. Joe was in the
0: Myspace era
3: arguing with yeah, it,
0: rappers and exactly. showing what girl he was dealing with. <laughs> Joe.
3: <laughs> Joe started that. You yeah. know, him and yeah. Flavor Flav started all that to mm-hmm.
2: me. Oh my god. You know what Flavor I'm saying? Flavor Flavor
3: so you know, um, That He had the internet booming. I had the internet booming with the weeklies. Mm -hmm. Royce was dropping the bar exams, had the Mm -hmm. internet booming. Joel was on hip-hop, doing all these little hip-hop little um, blogs and Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. He had it booming. And I felt like they was coming into my lane. I was like, damn, I'm running the (laughs) internet right now. And And here here they come, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So um, my little brother came. He was like, dog, you got to listen to Bar Exam, too. Royce on some other shit. I listened to it. I was like, yo, this dude on some other shit. Yeah,
0: man. Uh, Race like, to Five Nine <sighs> might be the MC whose name has come
3: up the most on this show. Mm-hmm. Just from the work he's been putting in lately. He 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 put in crazy work. Mm-hmm. So my, my man, Nino Bless, was like, yo, Joe got a song. He want a posse cut, but he wants somebody from the West on it. And I, I told him he should get you. And he was like, Joe was like, for real, Crook? I ain't heard nothing from Crook since the death row days. Mm -hmm. And he put Joe up on the weeklies. And Joe was like, oh, man, you got to get him. You know what I'm saying? So, boom, he sent it to me. That's another
0: way that those weeklies, Mm -hmm.
3: you wrapped your way out of that hole. You feel me? Yeah. So Joe was like, can you turn it around in 24 hours? I was like, that's nothing. Mm -hmm. Went to the studio. We did the song. The song was called Slaughterhouse. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that was the birth of the group. The internet crashed when they seen all of us together. Mm -hmm. And we were like, yo, let's do that again. That felt good. I flew to New York. We went to Red Spider's crib. Mm -hmm. He put up a beat. We did a joint called Onslaught. And it was just like, it felt like magic again. And we dropped that in the same response. So I I say the fans kind of made and created Starter House. It was like, oh, they like to see us rapping together. Let's do a group. Right. You know what I mean? And we did the group, man, and dropped the first joint on E1. And, um, you know, from what I hear, M bought a couple copies and was just like blown away, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And was like, yo, we need to talk to these guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and that's how we ended up on Shady, man. But, you know, them are my brothers, man, you know, I, I, I think, I, at first I was off it.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I was really mad why? because we put a lot of work in. I got mm-hmm. three slaughterhouse tattoos, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, and the way that it was crumbling from internally, mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. So I started going around talking to Paul Rosenberg, mm-hmm. you know, and M and trying to piece it back together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But
3: I was getting resistance. You what know were what some I'm of those
0: internal struggles that we don't know about?
3: The internal struggles, man, was people scheduling.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We would have, a, we had an album, Glasshouse. It was done for the most part. You could have made an album out of it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, we say, okay, now what's next? We have to go out and promote this together mm-hmm. as a group now. And people like, oh, I don't got one member. I don't have no time to mm-hmm. do it this summer. Let's talk in November. Then November come around and it's like, you know what? I can't do it now. This mm-hmm. other, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it started being like, okay, this ain't gonna happen. Um, and I just felt like it was robbing the culture. I felt like the culture deserved that album because we came with Welcome to Our House. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people felt like it, was, it wasn't the right thing for Slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. the first Shady release. Mm-hmm. So M backed up and said, okay, you guys go to New York and make the album how you want to make it. Right. We made a Slaughterhouse of producers. You know, we got Ooh. Just Blaze, um, Justice League, Ill Mind, Cardiac, and these dudes are in here um, working together. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Somebody doing drums, somebody doing, you know, playing Mm -hmm. instruments, somebody cutting. They made a group of producers to build this whole album, Glasshouse, and it came out incredible, and I wanted it to see the day of light, so I was back there trying to, you know, patch up holes in the boat, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, before it sunk, and it just ended up sinking, and I got mad. And I was like, you know what, I just need to be off this because I got tired of people on Twitter and Instagram. If I post my lunch on Instagram, they'd be like, where's the album? (laughs) Right. So you had to sort of reclaim your time. So I had to reclaim my time. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, I made it official. I'm out of the group. I'm not part of that no more. Y'all don't have to hit me up about Slaughterhouse ever again. Mm -hmm. It's a wrap. And then I started doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. But as I sit here today, you know, I start feeling like we still need to have some closure. Mm. And I haven't said this on anybody's nothing, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We need closure. I think we need to put another Slaughterhouse album out. Uh, The fans would definitely love it, but you
0: know, just as well as I do, that you can't do it for the fans. If you was doing it for the fans, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: you wouldn't, they would be doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like You went on Joe's show, Pull Up, Mm -hmm. and there was a clip release, but I don't think the whole interview ever came out.
3: I think Joe figured out that, you know what, this not gonna be good. Mm You know what I mean? Because a lot of dirty laundry came out. Mm-hmm. Well, you know maybe that was saying. some of
0: the closure that y'all had, but maybe y'all had, need to have some
3: closure in private before the, that, the uh, public closure comes out? Yeah, I think so, you know what I mean? I like what Joe's doing in the media. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a bigger voice now. Mm-hmm. Um, Royce has He's been created making, a job for himself that did not exist. Yeah, exactly, and, and, and Royce has been shooting bullseyes. <laughs> that Book of Ryan, bro. Book of Ryan, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um He just been pop, pop tearing it up. Right. And, then, and it's been coming from a very genuine place, too. And his new sh- I mean, I better be OK, with. some new shit. Yo. OK, so, you- so And then Joel, mm-hmm. now he just dropped Monday, and he yeah. just dropped that joint with Apollo Brown. Yeah. That Shout was out to crazy. Apollo Brown, too. Man, I mean, I'm like, yo, everybody's doing crazy shit right now. You know what? I'll be open, mm-hmm. you know? to saying, okay, is there a way that we could give the the world one last Slaughterhouse album?
0: Now, you have documented your struggles with addiction Uh and deciding to become sober. Yes, sir. So has Royce, to great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Button from the before Slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. when he first came out with the pump, 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 pump it up, he was talking about mental health issues, mm-hmm. talking about going in and out of facilities. You know, when you listen to mood music, you listen to Joe's music, you know that he's dealing with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Slaughterhouse, to me, felt like a support group. Mm for MCs who's super talented, but have these demons right. that people with pathologists, the people who grow up how we grow up just have. And it's almost like when y'all came together and I don't know Joel's issues as much as I know the rest of y'all. I'm sure he has right. his own right. issues that, you know, right. are not maybe as public. But right. do you, Do you, is there any truth to that? That, that it was like,
3: a, like an AA meeting for rappers. <laughs> <laughs> go listen, go listen to Truth or Truth. You mm-hmm. just explained that song and that's like one of our number one songs that fans love. Mm-hmm. You know, we just put all our issues out on on the table. You but, know what but, I'm but super lyrical. Yeah, super lyrical. Yeah. Like we like to tell. I'm saying the same thing. Easy is saying just using syllables. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 you know, um, it's 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 slaughterhouse was that. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think that we need closure. I think the fans need closure. Um, you know, and it'll be something special. You know what I'm saying? Because it's nobody had a group like that. You have four dudes from four different cities. Right. Three different regions. You know what I mean? Touring the world together. Yeah. Tearing stages down. I was blessed to tour with
0: y'all one of the Yeah, tours. man.
3: We had fun on that tour.
0: Is there any, <laughs> look, I remember, like, that tour was still... I was still in the era where I would do a show, and then I'm I'm going to the club in the city. And turn up. And if there wasn't a club in your city, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? What, do, what, do y'all do? <laughs> what y'all do? What oh, y'all do? Y'all just... Y'all just go to rap shows? Y'all don't go to the after party? <laughs> and I would go to the after party, I want to hear that, but y'all were always there. Like, yeah, We were on Rock the Bells tour, mm-hmm. but I'd walk into the to the underground ratchet spot or whatever, and Slaughterhouse was there. We there, baby. Joe in the back with a cigarette. You know what I'm uh, saying? Grace over
3: here yeah, with this with one. With the patrol. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got the Jameson on deck. So you got? do you got any wild stories? Ah, uh, man probably that I shouldn't share.
2: Uh-huh. That's uh. the only one we want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> the people want to know.
3: Man, it was just a wild ride, bro, because we were like the frat house. Right. Mm. That's what Slaughterhouse was. It was like, yo, you might have Joe on the side of the stage, Throwing up, cause he's so <laughs> right. faded. Right. You might have me in the back taking a break real quick, cause I'm getting dizzy. I done drunk a whole. I done did my tequila vodka henny oh, freestyle, no. where I'm like, right. you. I'm blindfolded, and somebody give me a cup of tequila. I drink, and they don't tell me what it is. I, I taste it. Oh, that's tequila. And right. then I start freestyling about tequila. Then they give me another drink, and I'm like, oh, that's Hennessy. <laughs> and I start freestyling about that. And then by the time I'm done, I'm done. I remember exhibit had to. Uh, I could drink a whole. Hennessy fifth Uh uh-huh and then he
0: would drink the fifth to the face and then they told me that after a few shows He had to switch to apple juice. You got (laughs) to you You know what I'm saying?
3: You can't live like that that stuff and that stuff catches up to you And that's Mm -hmm. the reason why I'm glad that I went sober off of alcohol. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, Because it caught up to me Mm -hmm. it caught up to my health Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying like I was recently dealing with a health issue that you know, I kept it low Mm -hmm. But um, you know, it's directly related to alcohol. Mm. You see what I mean? And it changed my lifestyle. I couldn't eat this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do like I thought it was over for me on mm. stage. You know what Stick I'm saying? man
0: from Dead Prez went through a similar situation. Uh-uh. You spoke to him about this. Uh-uh. I should try to plug y'all because uh-uh. he got it. To,
3: he got on his health health thing. Please. After that situation. Please plug yeah. this, because yeah. I I definitely. Bro, that is some life-changing stuff when you start sitting down. I've been rapping all my life since I was eight years old sitting in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when you come to the realization that you might not be able to get on stage no more,
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's, a, it's, a, it's a humbling mm-hmm. experience, dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it came from that that bottle, you know, that devil in that bottle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had to set that bottle down. I was taking life L's.
1: Mm-hmm. You
3: know what I'm saying? And, and it was like, yo, I got to sit this down, period. Mm-hmm. And I did, and I was able to do it for the last three and a half years. Congratulations, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate that, bro. No doubt, I definitely appreciate that.
2: Well, we were um, when I was in culinary school. They literally had like classes set up for us where we talked about drug and alcohol abuse. And I think that labels should do that too, because we've had so many people on this show that are in the industry that have come and like, now I'm sober because of all the drinking and stuff and the drugs. And they don't really tell you the effects that it might have later on, or coach you into doing better when, you, yeah. when you're. Your time. We
3: need to talk about that more in hip mm-hmm. hop. Yeah, You know, I had created this show for BET called One Shot. Mm-hmm. It was a rap competition. And we went to like five different cities trying to find the next big rapper. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I come into the city, like we was in Miami, I had DJ Khaled. We was in Atlanta, I had mm-hmm. TI. You know what I mean? I had Sway hosting it. And the last show was in New York. And I had Remy Ma as a guest. And um, I had Rhapsody perform at the end. Mm -hmm. This was 2015. And um, it was a great thing, man. Um, The kids that were performing and competing, they were walking on air. You know, I was watching them. They didn't know I was watching them. They were so happy, like, yo, I told all my family I'm gonna be on TV tonight and, you know, this and that. It was just a beautiful experience for me. The next day, I had to turn myself in for a DUI charge. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm sitting in a cell, you know what I mean? After one of my highs in my life, now I'm listening to this dude on meth tweaking because he, you know, he's going through withdrawal, Mm -hmm. screaming all night, and I can't even sleep, and I'm in this box, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, yo, bro, you gotta stop. Right. You got to. So, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm actually working on a documentary right now um, that deals with the relationship between sobriety and hip hop. Mm. So, you know, y'all be watching out for that. I song like to too. see that. Yeah, me sir.
2: Too. Would you ever uh, do like a Love and Hip Hop or anything like Joe Budden did? Uh, no. No?
3: <laughs> because I've been approached by producers of Love Hip Hop to be a part of the cast. I always say no. Yeah. Because I, there's some things I want to just keep private. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That I could just hold to me. That's just me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I got daughters. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to have them trying to explain why they father wilding out on TV all the time mm-hmm. with these relationships, you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. something of that that I'm, I just can't do it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, But you know, more power to whoever does it. I understand it, man. It's like, you know, they trying to get checks out here. Yeah, it's hard out here you know what I'm saying? <laughs> for rappers. It's, giving it's, them it's hard. <laughs> Let's keep that all the way above. I mean, it has given
2: them new platforms and stuff too because like, you know, younger people watch the show and they see rappers that mm-hmm. they wouldn't have you know, normally seen. But then
0: you become Joe Button from Love and Hip Hop, as opposed to like, and you're right, I'm glad to see Joe what Joe has been able to do because as a, as a fan of his, mm-hmm. as an MC, right? Mm-hmm. As my peer, I look at Joe Button like, god damn that boy Cole, mm-hmm. with them bars and with that mm-hmm. pen. And I would get mad when i would see him and consequence and other people Go all love hip hop yeah. and they they become consequence for love hip hop and i'm like y'all don't know mm-hmm. y'all don't know yeah, how yeah. that boy spit y'all yeah. don't really y'all y'all are not really respecting him how he should be respected mm-hmm. exactly it would make me mad as a fan of hip hop to watch that show mm-hmm. and to see that you know what i'm saying but yeah. I, but you never want to stop no next man eating and i also know that look ain't no checks out here for us so mm-hmm. you know yeah.
3: what i'm saying like, that's real yeah. a, it, it can get droughty Real yeah. fast in hip-hop, you know, especially if you're not compromising your, your artist's integrity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, dog, they really are trying to. I, some, do you ever feel like it's an agenda against the type of music you make? Um,
0: yeah, I do. I think that um, people want music to be escapism, and there's nothing mm. wrong with that. And as a matter of fact, there's even art in that. There's art in crafting a good escapist pop song but that's not what I do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's f- for us to be honest about what we do. Um, Bob Dylan talks about going to see a performer and being amazed by what the performer does on stage. And Bob Dylan, as an artist, you know, it's hard to imitate his voice the way he plays. He says, I'm trying to do things that you can't do. Mm. I want you to come to my show. It's not about singing along. That's not mm. what I want. And so there's some artists who can sing along. I went to a Drake show once, and I was, it was like, you know, 20,000 people. And Drake, the way that Drake sings, mm-hmm. he's not singing like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. He's not hitting every note. He's singing in a way that everybody in that venue could feel comfortable and confident singing along with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so it was like a big sing-along. And as much as I was like, I really respect it. I'm like, this is amazing. Everybody just sharing this moment together. Right. Right. But right. also in that moment, I'm like, that's not what I do. That's mm-hmm. not what, I, yeah. what I do is I spit them bars so you'd be like... Yeah. And if you could say it, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could pat yourself yeah. on the back for saying it, but yeah. we come from an era of like we trying to do some shit that's original, that is only what I do. You're not supposed to sound like me. Right. You know, you're not supposed to sing along. You're supposed to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To
3: get to the punchline, so you could right. be like, Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's what, what it we is. do. Yeah.
0: And Drake could do that too. Yeah.
3: They thought I was know? a damn alien, bro. When I used to come into sessions mm-hmm. because it was all gangster rap, mm-hmm. and I come in there, you know my shoddy spit around your body spin around in six circles and i'm talking all this crazy verbal shit mm-hmm. and they're like looking at me my OG's jesus like what you talking about cuz right, <laughs> <right, right, right, laughs> right. and then they'd be like you know but when they see like a a and r come in like yo that kid is nice and they right. be like well he must be doing something you know right. what i'm saying because but i don't know what the fuck he talking about and it was very hard you know because i felt like an outsider that's you know the thing i'm saying. glad
0: you say that because um you know, it's like we get caught up in us being people. Me, me. Be, I'm speaking for people who are not from LA. Right. And the caricature of LA rap is essentially comes from what NWA was marketed as. Right. But people forget that Dre was really about them beats and them lyrics. Yeah. Ice Cube was really about the beats and them Absolutely. lyrics. Absolutely. It's like that shit was marketed as, yeah. you know, the scary gangster vibe. But these is artists. Yeah. You know, this is art. Hundred
3: percent, man. Yeah. D.O.C. Yeah, you, you know DLC what I'm saying? Like pen, sh- it was cold. It was cold. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was just hard. I seen Razkaz go through that challenge too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where people wanted to put him in a box after he did Nature of the Threat. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted that's what they wanted from him forever. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. it was like you know they try to put go get in that
0: the Soul on Ice 2 out now. Solo nice too. <laughs> and then uh, he's still giving it to him forever because he knows it, but yeah. he understands what it is. We had Raz on, he knows what it is.
2: But you were talking about agendas, and that might be an agenda too, because they, you know, want the violent rap and everything to be pushed. They don't want to show the narratives of the conscious rapper because they mm-hmm. keep wanting to, to put that, oh, black people are this and that's right. it. And it's like right. that's not just what black people are.
3: Yeah, so you don't you're not offended when a cop kills an innocent black mm-hmm. kid right. because they thugs anyway. Yeah, they thugs anyway, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And and that's the reason why I did the Good Versus Evil album one and two. I, I saw what happened to Tamir Rice and it mm-hmm. changed me. You know, mm-hmm. I went directly into the booth because I couldn't go nowhere else. Mm-hmm. You know. Shot uh, in two seconds. In mm-hmm. two seconds, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and and the caller on the phone said he, it might be a toy. You know, told the yeah, cops. You told know, the cops. It might be a toy gun, mm-hmm. but they went in there and they murked them. They that's d- how you know that their job is to actually kill that boy in
0: that situation yeah like the police job in that situation yeah the instructions was go out
3: and kill that nigger. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and it changed me so I, I said you know what what can I do because you know I, I do have kids and you know I'm not gonna go out here and just pick it I don't think it's that time yet you know And if it ever comes to the time in my life where it's pick up a rifle then that's what it is and then you know kiss my kids and that's it mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying but um, I just felt like you know sometimes you need to shake people so I did the good versus evil And I rapped about things that a lot of people weren't covering topics, Mm -hmm. you know, environmental racism. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just. People slept hard. You know, what I mean, harder than usual. And I just you're talking about on that project, uh, on that project, because of the things that I was saying on there. Man. And it was like, yo, there's a real resistance against. Enlightening people and waking mm-hmm. them up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I used to spend some time with Quick back in the day, and you know, of course, tonight and he has the classics, mm-hmm. but balance and options. Right, made me be like, whoa, like I love that album. You yeah. know what I'm saying, and I remember talking to Quick about that album, maybe five, six years after it came out. Like, man, that balance and options, that still rocks. He's like, right. man, niggas wasn't checking for that shit, and they don't want to hear me be on no positive shit.
3: Ain't that something, dog? dog? And that's and that's sad because because like, he was talking about bringing the gang culture together Together. on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Snoop just dropped one blood, one cuz. And I'm mad that that's not one of the most talked about records this year. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because the the message is very much so needed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's talking about bringing Bloods and Crips together. And people are like, well, I heard that song before. If somebody else made a song about Blizzard Cry. I said, yeah, but this is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. You know how what I'm saying? How important, you being a Long Beach dude, right? Snoop is bigger than rap. Uh-huh. Snoop is, you know,
0: Snoop is, it's hard to put my finger on how important this man is. is because right. the same way that he reached out to Crooked Eye mm-hmm. from Long Beach mm-hmm. and the same love that he showed you, he showed to me. Mm Talib Kweli from Brooklyn, he never met with different styles of rap. He didn't have to show me love, and every I mean, Snoop goes out his way to show me love, and he goes out his way to show everybody love. Right. But he's still
3: Snoop Dogg from Long Beach. Yeah, he is, man, and you know. Here's a guy who's a Who multi- Who can do anything right now. Yeah, Zebra I mean, <laughs>
0: stripes. He can race his stripes. Listen, he can play a zebra. He just it got a in the other day. He got a so. he got you a game me? show. Got a talk show. Yeah, man. Got a,
1: he's killing it. He could be a, He could
0: be a Rastafarian for a year. Yeah, <laughs> and Snoop Lion. What's happening, Snoop Lion? <laughs>
3: Sadness. He's also a
2: Libra, just putting that out you there. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: and he just, you know, I just really, when I see that, you know, it just irritates me a little bit. I get it. I understand it. But it's like, yo, man. This song is important. Mm -hmm. Let's not just sweep it under the rug and you know, go to sleep on it, man. Because we need that right now, you know, especially after the Nipsey man. Rest in peace, Nip. You know, we need that, man, and.
2: Do you feel like it's y'all's responsibility though to make sure songs like that are getting played? Because um, the media definitely controls what we're listening to and things of that nature. But if it's like if it's a song that you love and you know you're you have a platform, so you know I feel like do you guys think that y'all should be pushing? I mean, it
0: costs like a couple hundred thousand dollars to get a few thousand spins on the radio a week. Yeah, that's just the facts of the game. People think it's organic. Yeah. but it's like if you ain't spending a couple racks, at least.
2: Well, I mean like through your social yeah. media, like. Real talk. Like, um, when, like, like through your, your story or whatever, like. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I try to do my part and I, I try to point to myself as examples, uh, as an example. Um, but it's weird, you know. I remember, you know, 1984, we had We Are The World. Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Lana Ritchie. These are the biggest names in the game. And, you know, the crisis in Ethiopia was so bad that they were able to pull at America's heartstrings. Right. And there was no internet. There was no cable TV. There were three networks. There was mm-hmm. CBS, NBC, ABC. There wasn't even no Fox, Fox back then. There was no Married with Children. Simpsons, Tracy Ullman, that wasn't out yet. Right. So if you watch TV, you watch one of them three networks mm-hmm. unless you was watching a local affiliate. When the Super Bowl happened, everybody in America, 100 million people, 90 million people, whatever, are watching the Super Bowl. So after the Super Bowl went off, everybody watched that video for We Are The World. Mm-hmm. Everybody watched, and we all remember that as a cultural moment. Right. But when you have the internet and blogs and cable TV, I remember when Trayvon Martin died. The Game did a great record. Mm. Game did a record about Trayvon Martin, featuring Rick Ross and Diddy, and a whole bunch of other people who were popping at the time. That shit was on the blogs for like two hours, yeah. and then they went on to talk about whatever rap beef. Right. And so it's so much, so much content to navigate towards the art has not only lost value because we have so many distractions, but the actual value of the art. People don't buy shit. Why would this generation buy shit when they can get everything for free? Mm -hmm. So they look at art as not valuable. So an artist like Crooked Eye has to be like, listen, I'm giving you bars every week. Yeah. And he's putting onus on himself. He's not a lot of there's a lot of rappers who might have been as good as Crooked Eye at one point who would be like, man, these young boys, they don't know music. Right. Oh, the game has changed. Oh, right. the, the industry's so foul. You like, fuck that. Yeah. I, oh, this is how y'all want to receive the music. I'm gonna put it in a package that you can receive it, and I'm gonna make sure that you know where to re- get my package. Yeah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So the onus is on us to create the music, regardless of what happens in the culture. But the culture doesn't support us when we create the music, and it's not even they fault. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the powers that be. That's why we have to resist the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know this. People ask me all the time, whenever something happens, you know you know me, whenever something yeah. happens, they play get by on the radio. Yeah. People come to me and say, Quali, you should make a song about this. What, I need to make self-destruction again yeah. so y'all niggas could not listen to it? Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's real talk. Yeah, man. That's real talk. And, you know, um, just being men of action, we got to take action. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my thing is, you know, some of the rap media is, in my opinion, Suckers, mm-hmm. so right because they put
0: all the onus on the MCs. Yeah. What are the
3: MCs doing? I'm like, fuck that what are the program
0: directors doing? Right, what are these DJs doing? What are these bloggers doing? What kind of content are you doing that
3: supports the culture other than talking Trauma, about some beef for clicks and views? It's all clickbait, yeah. but that's the reason for People's Party.
1: Mm -hmm, You know what I'm saying?
3: And that's the reason for Crook's Corner. That's right. Because we got to take control of the narrative. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So everybody that watches these programs, they need to share. They need to post about it. They need to make sure them views is up Mm -hmm. and show the world that you don't have to talk about a rap beef to get a, have a successful program. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk about who this man is cheating on with and who this person mm-hmm. is dating and all that. You could talk real shit, politics, rap, things going on in the community, and still get views. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because that's the only thing that's going to change it. You know. Right. So I need everybody to share this. Mm-hmm. You know What's what I'm saying? Who's your favorite? What? Not gonna say favorite because I don't want you to compare contrast. But uh, tell me
0: one of your best times you've had with Crook's Corner so far.
3: Ah oh, Man, really um, all of it, but um, Royce was a good one because me and Royce, I don't think a lot of people see me and Royce talking like that. They right. just know us from Slaughterhouse together and things of that nature. And, um, you know, that was a good one, man. Our conversation and what we thought about our first album, I asked him if he thought it would be a classic one day. And his idea that it's not and me thinking it is and that little exchange and, you know, just talking to my brother um, and E-40. Mm. Having Mm E40 on, and understanding that this man has been relevant since the late '80s, Mm. you know what I'm saying? With all rap,
1: different generation, you know
3: what I'm saying? Like a lot of our rappers, you know, for them to be relevant in three different decades, they have to go to movies and film and TV. He's all rap. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got a song with 40. It's called a. The hook goes, "Quality and Forty got a song
0: together in real life."
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's real talk. That's you know what I'm saying? And he got that slang. You uh, know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it's just fun. You know, he had the great energy. Tech Nine was a good show because here we have an independent juggernaut. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That works hard. Forbes list gang. Forbes list yeah. off no radio spins. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like really out the mud. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, just and even to Benny and you know, just talking to the future. Right. You know, uh, it's just it's just been great, man. It's it's therapeutic to me, and it's not a job, and that's the kind of jobs I like. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that aren't work. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? How ill is it that
0: our experience has led us to the point where we are able to have a conversation without getting on our phone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that our conversation is has value
3: in the marketplace, even? it could be argued, more value than our songs. Uh, I'm grateful. You know what I'm saying? I'm just grateful. and I I think that we deserve to be in this space. We need to be in this space because, like I said, the narrative needs to change. I need to be able to see you interviewing Bun B. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I need that. You know what I mean? I don't want to see Bun all the time talking to somebody who doesn't understand writing, who doesn't understand hip-hop. You know, he just got something hot going on at the time, and you know, so we gonna have him as a guest. Mm Right. You know what I mean? Like, it just means more. And I just think that, you know, what we're doing right now is just, that's the next level. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I can't wait to see where it goes.
0: Well, I hope that I'm a guest on Crook's Corner. Come on through, man, you know what (laughs) what I'm saying? Make sure you check out Crook's Corner. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Crooked Eye. Yeah, man, thanks
3: for having me, my brother. Appreciate you, man. Much sluts.